So welcome back to Insights, a political podcast hosted by Zane Davis and Drake McGrew. I'm Drake McGrew, that's Zane Davis. Say hi to our fan in Belgium that we've seen, <laughs> or one person that listened. Listen Hello, Belgium. Belgium. I'm pretty sure my grandpa drove a truck through Belgium. Like I was, no, I've been watching like this uh, documentary about the Red Ball Express that he was a part of. Because, like, I found his discharge papers. He, like, never talked about the war ever. Mm-hmm. And, like, Most I, of them did. Yeah, I found out, like, where, like, his, like, company or his, like, infantry was. And he, like, participated in the Red Ball Express, which was after, like, we invaded Normandy. We, like, pushed so far back. Like, it was, like, farther than we thought. So we required, like, a whole, like, convoy of trucks. Like, in pretty I think it was, like, a 50-hour convoy to, team of two. Anyway, he was a part of that. Huh. But, but today we're talking about big dog Trump's indictments. All four of them, um, probably get into DeSantis might be a little bit and some other Republican yahoos and uh, Democrat fellas. So what do we got uh, on his charges? Well, uh, today, no surprise, uh, Trump pleaded not guilty to uh, the charges that he broke the law to overturn the 2020 election. Uh, This is Jack Smith's indictment this is the one that this is kind of the the one of the big ones yeah i mean most of there i think there's five now they're kind of hard to keep apart but this is this is definitely if it's not the biggest one it's the second biggest okay is this this okay this does have anything to do with the capital right i forget like i know one of them does but like because i I forget like the wording confused me on some of the indictments that's that's the thing is there's so many like there's one over the phone call in georgia uh, there's one over the documents thing, Jack Smith's thing. They kind of, they kind of all run together. This is where I think if they were going to truly try to do this, like they shouldn't have like went down the rabbit hole of trying to have so many different ones, yeah. which this all started with the Alvin Bragg, uh, like, hush money to Stormy Daniels case in New York, which Trump's currently out on bond on, which that one there, regardless of what you think of Trump, is like probably the most political prosecution that might have ever happened. Yeah, well, wasn't the Stormy Daniels ones cooking up before all this? That was like the original one, and they like added like the kind of legitimate charges, you know? Yeah. Well, Stormy, the Stormy Daniels one, I mean, everybody knew about that even prior to the 2016 election. That's the one thing that, like, everybody has always tried to make the argument, uh, or a lot of conservatives, especially social conservatives, have tried to make with Trump, that, like, hey, everything that we knew about Trump prior to electing him, making him the Republican nominee, and then electing the president, everything that we knew that was out in the open, like, doesn't really matter because we all knew that. And yeah. Stormy, the Stormy Daniels thing did come out before the election. I mean, everybody knew that he'd had, I mean, multiple wives, multiple affairs, mistresses, all this different stuff. So a, a lot of this stuff is not news. Yeah. And Alvin Bragg tried to, from what I understand, tried to take two misdemeanor counts and like if you twisted them and you looked in the right light and you just kind of like squinted real hard it made a felony and so uh it it was it was one thing that had like never happened before 
even a lot of Democrats like didn't necessarily like support that. But I mean, it's New York. It's the uh, Southern District of New York. I mean, kind of a liberal, liberal yeah. hot hotbed to begin with. But uh, it it definitely didn't help the more legitimate cases like uh and i mean not necessarily taking an opinion one way or the other saying he's guilty or not guilty or should go to jail or anything like that but uh he uh he didn't help matters by, yeah. by bringing up something that was so political that i mean even the most partisan democrat could could see that that was 100 yeah. percent political yeah. I mean, I think the one charge he's got, I think that he might have the hardest time beating is the inciting. Because what, what was the, or go through the charges again real quick. This, was this one, the the one that, that was today, uh, he pleaded not guilty to four counts, and the four counts were uh, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction, and then conspiracy against the right to vote, to have everyone's vote counted. Uh, this one, if I'm not mistaken, is tie, is trying to tie him into January 6th. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, I'm actually, I'm reading a little bit about this as we go on, that yeah, this is a... Uh, uh, this this is has partially to do with uh, January sixth. Uh, the big thing that they're trying to find out in this, and that Trump is has definitely tried to a avoid, is like the two to three hours, whatever it was, the exact time in between it starting, yeah, and Trump yeah. coming out and making that video or right. making that post. Uh, well, I mean, because basically trying to figure out what he was doing during yeah, that time. It was because I'm kind of up in the air whether I think how much Trump was. Well, this is kind of my thing with Trump altogether. I'm like, I don't know how much he's an evil mastermind or how much he's just a dummy. Yeah. And like the thing with, you know, like the Capitol riots, you know, he went up there and, you know, talked to big game. And yeah, he did say some like an insightful things to the crowd. But at how much of it was, he's like, okay, these yahoos are going to go storm the Capitol for me. Right. I can declare yeah. martial law, you know, yeah. kick out. the Here, Because, like, there was, and I'll let you, I'll say this quick, because, like, there was Proud Boys already marching on the Capitol beforehand. So, right. So, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Well, and here's the thing. Like, even, even, like, Chris Christie had mentioned something about this, like, a couple weeks ago. And he had said, like, you know, that he was asked a question, like, do you think, like, Donald Trump, sent those people to the Capitol to like cause violence, cause wreckage, cause distraction, whatever. And he said, he, he never said yes or no, but he basically just said, I don't think he cared or he really thought about it. Yeah. And, and, that, and, that's, and that's probably more the truth that he just, you know, didn't think about it. Cause, and that's, you know, he, that was the culmination of, you know, just years of, of him working up his, his, you know, right. well, I mean him working up, not his fan base, but like the hardcore elements, the one that would be willing right. to. Right. The 20 percent the 20 <laughs> of the Republican Party that's a hundred percent with him. Yeah, that would were be there to... on January right. 6th. So I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how much Trump is. You know, 
political mastermind or he's just kind of just talked himself in and out of situations. This is now he's on the ultimate stage talking and now he's going to figure out how to talk himself out of this. Right. Well, and the other thing is, you know, from, from the party that is supposed to be the law and order party, uh, January 6th wasn't a good day. No, no. Because, I mean, and, and to an extent, I, I think Trump tries to, like, still play it down to an extent. Because, like, he talks about uh, in the town hall he did with CNN, uh, that was probably a month ago. He uh, he talked about uh, brought they basically they asked him the question of does he regret the loss of life? Yeah. Okay. Well, what they were referring to there was Ashley Babbitt, which was a big big time Trump supporter who was shot. Yeah. yeah. And like Trump was talking about like like called the officer an animal. I said that he acted acted all crazy, and I'm. And it's, it's like, no, that's his job, bro. Yeah, like, he's yeah. the Capitol Police. He's, yeah, like, they're, defending they're... democracy. There's a really good documentary on HBO, on HBO Max, or Max now, called Four Hours of the Capitol, or Six Hours of the Capitol, however long it was. Really good, and it's from, just like, just pieces together, all different videos from that day. And, it's just, and it is crazy, because the Capitol Police just so outnumbered. And it was, it's like a physically palpable fear, just like when you right. see it from their side. Right, well, and see, and this is where, you know, you get some of the conspiracy theories, uh, but I think, to an extent, some people kind of anticipated it. The what, not necessarily the violence and the invasion of the Capitol, all that stuff, but uh, they definitely anticipated the protests and yeah. all this other stuff because, like, Nancy Pelosi's daughter, who is a uh, is a filmmaker, was there at the Capitol that day. Well, this feeds into a lot of conspiracy theories that, like, they were involved. Create like crazy ideas that like Nancy Pelosi and them orchestrated it, and it was actually like Democratic supporters who uh, who did that, and it wasn't Trump supporters, and fed into a bunch of different yeah. conspiracies. But you know, uh, if you watch like even like what she talks about in the uh, what she talks about in the uh, her documentary, she. Uh, She's got, I mean, videos of her mom, Chuck Schumer, on the phone with Mike Pence. Yeah. Uh, because that was that was the one thing that I don't think, like, Mike Pence gets enough credit for. No. And, no. like, if and he, if he's truly, he, he needs to talk about this more, that, like, the Secret Service were trying to get him out of there. Yeah, no, that because, was definitely his, Mike Pence's finest hour. Yeah. I think it was Pence at the end of the documentary, like, right after it was all said, like, I can't remember. Because I don't remember if they went back to do the session later in the day or went back the next day. Whenever they was back in session, I think, like, Pence. Like, no, they did it the same day. Okay, yeah, Pence, like, let's get going or, like, let's get back to business and, like, slam his gab. I was like, dude, like, I'm not even, like, an over-the-top Pence fan, but I was like, dude, let's yeah, go. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> well, that was... That was a because, good like, moment for the country. Well, yeah, that was, like that's not just like a good like oh Republican moment. That's like just a good moment that our democracy held stout, like and held strong. So that 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 that's that a good moment. That yeah. Is, so and he doesn't talk about that as much because no. I mean he that like the Secret Service, like I said, was trying to get him to leave, and because that's that's the thing is I mean the the Capitol Police, I mean that's their job to, I mean, protect the Capitol and I mean Speaker all the senators, representatives, all that good stuff. But it, the Secret Service job is to protect the president and the yeah. vice president. 
and they're trying to get him to leave in in the motorcade and like they had actually like gotten him down to like the loading dock in the below the senate chambers mm -hmm. and he basically like turned around to him and was like guys i'm not leaving because yeah. if i leave they win yeah yeah and, and also, so, and also and there was um one of the one of the, one of the capitol police interviewed he said like that was kind of the thing like if they get through if we got a retreat you know calls martial law suspends the vote who knows what happens like it's just yeah. like so and like there was a, there was a moment where they like literally like spartans holding the line like i'm not even like a pro police guy or like a, even like oh but i was like dude you're back to blue man like, yeah. I was like, yeah. let's go man well <laughs> and see the the one thing i don't know that you'll ever see i mean i don't know that you'll ever see a january 6th uh and and they may even change the day because now it's a federal holiday yeah uh but uh and they called it infamy so uh i guess kind of their pearl harbor time yeah. uh uh that not that kind of bad no 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 <laughs> I, I wasn't meaning i wasn't meaning that it was up there with pearl harbor yeah. i just meant like the name like it yeah, sounded yeah. Like, sounded very pearl harborish yeah. like they live in infamy. Yeah. infamy but uh but no i mean it definitely was not like a good day and even i mean even trump still talks about it like saying you know hey january 6th started out as a beautiful day and all this other and it's like you know you you whipped up a mob yeah by you know and this is one thing that like and again i going back to chris christie like what he mentioned he said you know basically he had a relationship like a a very friendly relationship with donald trump at least politically mm -hmm. from from the, the end of the new hampshire primaries in 2015 uh or 2016 to two days after the election when they had like their official sit down last last meeting that uh kind of ended it and they turned yeah. into enemies and his main thing that he talked about uh, which he called him out on ABC election night was when he immediately at like two thirty when I mean things started trending the other direction. Uh, he immediately called him out, but then like when they sat down, he talked about how when he was with with Trump and they sat down, he mentioned the fact that the main thing that bothered him was the fact that at 2.30 in the morning when he stood there and said this election was a sham, this election was a fraud, all this stuff, he said, you didn't even know all the things that you're talking about now that you're going to try to fight. Right. He said, you didn't know anything. None of us knew anything. But when you stood behind the seal of the president and said that, whether it's 2.30 in the morning or 2.30 in the afternoon, everybody was watching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nation watching live and then... I mean, the next day it's breaking news. I mean, you've got a president basically saying, you know, we've had a, a stolen election. I mean, yeah, could. I mean, this did not happen when you had Bush and Gore that had their fights that no. they went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, uh, and, and even Gore, who eventually conceded, said he didn't agree with the Supreme Court decision, didn't didn't agree with it, but he was going to roll with it. And that he I mean. 
God bless George Bush. He's going to be our president. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm heading back to Tennessee or wherever he went after that. So, uh, where, whereas, I mean, Trump fought it out, I mean, through the legal system, I mean, all the way up to trying to get the Supreme Court to hear some of their cases and they turned it down. Uh, and so, I mean, they didn't have they they had their chance to you know kind of go out with some grace and you know say hey we've got a got a new president coming in we may not agree with him we may not like this situation but he didn't do that yeah uh and again like i said he could have came back i mean in 4 years and i'll say this if january 6th did not happen and trump didn't just absolutely throw fit all this stuff or or even if he did up until like the supreme court finally said no and then just said you know i mean i don't i don't like it i don't agree with it but i respect respect yeah. the process god bless joe biden <laughs> and he, i mean because nobody wants their pilot on the airplane to yeah i mean no everybody wants their pilot on the airplane to succeed yeah uh but he didn't do that i mean if he had done that I think he would be a 100% shoe in for the Republican nomination. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that there would be, there would be no primary. There would be no nothing because I mean, the only reason that most of these candidates are in the race is because they see an opportunity to fill that uh, void to, that Trump left. An right. Easy void. Right. Well, and here's the other thing you've got like Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Tim Scott, uh, Vivek, so you've got like four, four or five candidates that have basically, I'm, I'm, and I'm just assuming their strategy based off what they're saying. They're saying that their strategy is to try to sidestep Trump questions and hope that somehow Trump goes down in a ball of flame <laughs> somehow, yeah. some way, yeah. and then because. They never said anything critical of the great leader that all his supporters are going to flock to them. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to happen because, I mean, I, I think everybody's kind of come to the understanding that, I mean, Trump's in this for the long game. Yeah. I mean, if he gets his nose punched in the first two or three primaries, he, he might potentially think about hanging it up but yeah it's also like how many like even if we get even if he you know doesn't go from this year like how many more years are we going to still have of trump being this if he doesn't obviously if he gets indicted or if he gets like kind of guilty of a felony and he can't or was it you said you a felon a felon can run for office yeah that's what that's what <laughs> okay that, yeah, that's yeah. What they, can't they, can they can't vote for themselves but they 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 can run and that's that that's one thing that i think you're going to see people like especially on the left, try to argue in, in like this with the Supreme court and all this other stuff that all the other courts that, you know, Hey, I know it's not exactly worded that way in like the constitution, but they didn't have to think about this possibility happening, which while I wouldn't consider myself like an activist, like in favor of judicial activism, I think there's a lot of sense in that. Yeah. That, you know, if if a felon can't vote, how in the world could they run? Yeah. But they never had to think about that because that, that didn't happen. Uh, so, 
it's a it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a be a wild ride. Yeah. I mean, I, the biggest problem is Trump has got so much money that yeah. he spent uh, that he just can't. Uh, it's not that he that he can just finance it himself because he can't. Uh, all the way, uh, especially in a general election. But like the one thing that I saw, and again, talking about Chris Christie, that he talked about is that Trump had spent like an insane amount of money and was talking about this was another potential prosecution Mm -hmm. case that had spent an insane amount of campaign contributed dollars on his legal fees right and like he talked about he said i've known him most of my life he said he's the cheapest billionaire you'll ever meet yeah and uh he said you know he said he could very easily sell a golf course somewhere and pay for his legal fees right uh because not only is he having to pay for his legal fees, there's also like a few different people that's like indicted with him. Right. And it's basically just kind of understood by a lot of people, especially like his former attorney that says, you know, if they stop, if he stops paying their legal fees, they're going to like turn state's evidence against him. Uh, and so as long as he will pay their legal fees, they'll kind of, ride it out with them, mm-hmm. uh, which that's just, that's just a theory. I mean, Michael Cohen and I mean, a few other people had, uh, I mean, we'll see how true that is, yeah. and, uh, but it was, it was an insane amount. Like I, I think it was North of like $50 million. That, I mean, and again, you got to think about it. This is like middle income. To, I mean, to even, you may even say like upper class Americans, but I mean, I mean, and and there's probably a lot of lower class Americans mm-hmm. that are that are giving him five, ten, fifty bucks, hundred bucks, all this stuff, and it's they're thinking that they're giving it to him to be reelected as president, and he's using it as part of his legal defense. Stay out of jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's just a it's just a bad deal. Yeah, I mean, and he he brags about how when he gets gets indicted or gets gets arrested or arraigned or anything like that, that like his fundraising numbers go up. And that part kind of makes me sick after yeah. realizing that he's using that money. It's just, like I said, it's, it's not right. It can't not be legal to do, but there may be some weird. Yeah. There's no vision no somewhere. He's probably got some lawyers that he's figured out some loophole. Hopefully, well, maybe hopefully that, that money is coming, like some corporation gave money, like he's defrauding, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some big I mean, Coke brothers, or I don't know if Coke well, brothers are still big contributors. Oh, they are. They are. They spend, they're spending a lot of money to make sure he doesn't become president. <laughs> okay, and doesn't. they, uh, and which there's only one of them. Uh, I don't remember which one is the one that's left, but they're Coke brother. The yeah, yeah, died. yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah. they, uh, they're spending a lot of money uh, to – they're running a big pack trying to make sure that he's not the nominee. And if he is, basically to make sure he's not the president. And what's funny is, like, the Koch brothers were, like, 
the George Soros of the the Democratic Party. Yeah. So I mean, you have the that they're where everybody goes to get money. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'll never forget in 2016 uh, where Ted Cruz, probably his weakest political moment. Uh, when he was just absolutely a, I, I don't know what else you call it other than he's like a prostitute. Money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, and he's just pathetic. Uh, but I, I may agree with him a lot politically, but it was just kind of a cowardly moment. Like he had, he had spent the whole time fighting Donald Trump, went all the way to the convention, hadn't endorsed Trump. Uh, Rubio had endorsed Trump. Kasich had not. Uh, I mean, everyone else in the Republican field had endorsed Trump. Uh, I believe even Jeb Bush did, but it was basically just down to Ted Cruz and John Kasich. You know? And Ted Cruz got up on the stage at the convention, give a speech, kind of took a few like side winded jabs at Trump. And then, but basically just said, you know, Hey, we've got to unite and beat Hillary Clinton, all this stuff. But net and like, the crowd was yelling, endorse Trump, endorse Trump, endorse Trump. And literally, the way the story goes is he went up into one of the big boxes, or the like the uh, boxes you could rent out at Cleveland, which is where the convention was uh, for the Cavaliers games, where a lot of the big donors were. Mm -hmm. And they scolded him for not endorsing Trump, which the Koch brothers were supposedly in that room yeah. at that time. And like, I can't remember if it was that day or the next day he had like completely endorsed Trump, all this stuff. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm not saying that you can't be a team player and I'm not saying that you have to hate the guy over everything, but the dude accused your dad of being in, in, in the, plot to kill JFK. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was that in a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Mate, I mean, made fun of your wife, said like how ugly his wife is compared to mine. And Ted uh, Cruz is just like an easy guy to, you know, dislike to begin with. Right. So you yeah. Ted, for yourself, Ted Cruz. You got a punchable face, dog. Yeah. Ted Cruz is not. Like, and is no not fault, no fault of his own. It's genetically, you look at him, it's like, oh man, yeah. dude. Yeah. You know, there was, uh, even Lindsey Graham talked about one time. I mean, he's lucky he's Republican in Texas. Or like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, and that's why, like, like Beto O'Rourke give him a run for his money in Texas. I mean, a super Bernie Sanders type Democrat. But but part of it is, you know, he's not a George Bush Republican. He's right. he's a he's a culture warrior that goes to the furthest extremes on a lot of things. Yeah, and like I said, he just he's just not liked and. Uh, I mean, Lindsey Graham literally said uh, in a uh, can't remember if it was in an interview. It may have even been on the Senate floor, and like said it like kind of jokingly, but not that Ted Cruz is the only person that you could uh, you could shoot, and no one, no the other ninety nine senators yeah, wouldn't convict you. Right. And it's like you know you're you're uh, he is not liked by leadership. He's not liked by obviously the other side. Uh, and, and what's, what was interesting was everybody kind of wondered if he was going to run this time. Yeah. 
uh, which, I mean, he won quite a few contests. I mean, and even, I mean, him and Trump pretty well split Missouri in 2016. I mean, it was razor, razor thin. Uh, I can't remember which one of them ended up actually pulling it out, but they got a whole one delegate more mm. than the other one. But it was, uh, it was an insane Ted Cruz is kind of an insane guy to uh, to to watch, and I couldn't imagine him running in a uh, national campaign again. No, no. I think his yeah, I think he, his he train left the station. Yeah, he doesn't. I don't. He doesn't. I don't think he's got electability on like a national scale like that. No, no. And and like I said, as far as I mean. <laughs> Texas is a pretty red state, and I think he's pretty safe there yeah. for the time being. But a a serious primary challenger could potentially like knock him out. Yeah, I think uh, he's just he's just not a very very liked guy. Mm -hmm. Then he had the whole when Texas had that ice. Yeah, they like got he went out to went too. Which like I mean. Granted, I can see that, but I, you got to be smarter about it. Like, right. that's, that's the whole thing about Ted Cruz. He's like, dude, you're already at a base level. You just like, you want to, like, people want to punch you in the face. You have to be self aware of the things you do. Right. And then, like, you, when he comes back, he's like wearing a mask, like, with the Texas flag on it. Like, he's like, right. so, like, you know, yeah. Lone Star yeah, State God Cowboy. Texas. Yeah. Like, when he gets back. Yeah. Like, and, and here's the thing I don't think anybody blames somebody for avoiding that. But when you're a, when you're a public servant yeah, and you yeah. decide basically, hey, I'm going to leave and yeah, like <laughs> y'all just, I'll be back and help y'all pick up the pieces. I mean, it, and, and, and what's funny is, which I guess this just kind of shows how some po like politicians are human and they can make, right. they can actually just make mistakes. But like, I'm sure in his mind, he thought, didn't think anything about it. Just thought, you know, hey, I'm gonna take my yeah, family. Yeah, perception's all this stuff. reality. So. And, but then when you when you're a United States senator and you walk into an airport, cell phones are gonna get pulled out. Yeah. And so you know, it it may have not even been somebody from Texas who yeah. who initially like recorded the video that like went viral. It, it may have just been it may have been a Ted Cruz fan or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I seen Ted Cruz at the airport getting on my. The same plane I was going to Cancun. Yeah, I, I I don't know the whole ins and outs of of why that video was recorded, but uh, but yeah, he's. I don't think he is ever going to be a serious uh, serious national contender again. Well, switching gears to like a guy that might be a national contender. I seen where DeSantis released his new economic plan. He was talking about earlier, just like people trying to fill Trump shoes. I was like reading like the trend there, and they're just like the highlights. He's like, and he was just like a softened down version of Trump in 2016. It's like you've been sold a bill of goods from the elites. It's like we'll be tougher on China. And it was just like reworkings of Trump. And they asked him something about the Trump indictments, and be like, you kind of, you kind of like, you know, you know, squirted away from the question, um, like you said earlier but yeah well it's funny with DeSantis is he's like finally caught the reapings or like the culture war finally got to him because like if you're a politician you can like use the culture war it's like to your advantage but it'll eventually come back and bite you because like you see where DeSantis like they had to fire that one uh, like there was a campaign 
Like, like someone that worked for his campaign, I believe, tweeted a video. It was like a meme, you know, DeSantis for president. But at the end, it had like some Nazi imagery. Now, granted, it wasn't, you know, the swastika, like it wasn't the, you know, the, the big one, but it was still like a white right, national power. Yeah. So, and that's like, and that's like, and that's the thing, like if you're, like if you're on the left and you use like culture war for votes, you'll very likely get bit in the hand because like it'll come back on you, you'll get canceled for who knows what, you know. But on the right, you know, you that, and also, you know, culture war just emboldens, you know, right-leaning voters for using the left. But like for right politicians, yeah, you'll get a lot of, you know, traction but you also attract kind of these like proud boys these like yeah. you know kind of unsavory characters that'll might you know threaten our democracy on a january after or january morning just if it gets yeah. too far because like well, we, so yeah and and see here's the other thing is like the the whole culture war thing is it's something that both sides use to their advantage yeah. because it gets them votes. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, it's an easy thing. The the appropriation bills and the spending bills and all this other stuff. There may be like a headline in there oh. that like gets, or if somebody says something that like makes the news or whatever. But like most people don't know what an omnibus bill exactly. is. exactly. And I think that's just kind of like sound pretentious, but shows like the dumbing down of our society because well, people aren't gonna like know what to vote for based on like economic platforms or bills or foreign policy, but they know trans trans people are coming for my children. You right, know? Yeah. They, can, they can get behind yeah. stuff that makes them angry. And, you know, uh, it, people don't like to do a whole lot of research. They like, you know, Tucker Carlson telling them, um, or, you know, Anderson Cooper telling right. them. Yeah. Yeah. On yeah. Don Lemon. Yeah. yeah. On the, on the left or Wolf Blitzer. Uh, it's either, yeah, it's either like these Marxist, you know, Bolsheviks are coming for your children to indoctrinate them with, with, you know, trans or it's, you have these, uh, literal Nazis coming in your school. That's gonna <laughs> yeah. you know, kill your children for, yeah. you know, dissenting votes. Both, both sides take it to extremes. But one thing like DeSantis is really facing struggle for, and this is, this is the issue. This is a big issue with the Republican Party on a national stage, uh, because in some states this will poll well, in some states this—I mean, as sad as it is to say—but and and then some states it's not going to hurt him. But in the states that matter, and contrary to what most people believe, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't vote. Absolutely, there's a lot of people that's bled and died yeah. for this country. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to a presidential election, and it really doesn't matter what year it is, but it's going to come down to about five or six states. Yeah. Other than that, it's pretty well decided. I mean, the only thing that switched in 2020 that was a absolute shock to Republicans for sure was Georgia. Uh, Dude, and that was um, and that was a really cool map of how. So, like, millions of years ago, however long it was, like, when Georgia they used to be, you know, up to, like, a certain point, like, up near Atlanta, was underwater, and then it receded, but it left that entire area fertile grounds. So, the map shows fertile grounds, and then it shows where the major farms were, and then it shows major plantations, which has the major black population, which leads today, which has, you know, 
all which was all blue in the 2020 election. So it was a direct consequence of millions of years ago how how high the sea level was to where voters were concentrated at that kind of played a part in Biden's victory. Yeah. Anyway, things like that are why I'm yeah. kind of autistic. Well, no, no, it's all right. I was wondering where you was going with this. I was sitting there going like, like millions of years ago, Joe Biden was born. Yeah, millions uh, of years ago, Joe Biden was born. Yeah, Joe, Joe Biden was hanging out with uh, George Washington and all the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, but what I was getting at was DeSantis signed a bill it, uh, and, hit, and supported it that changed up some of the curriculum and it specific it did specifically target uh and and target is not the right word to use but it, it's it was aimed at changing the way that florida taught parts of black history right uh which is kind of a touchy subject anyway but uh basically mentioned how that you know Blacks actually benefited from right, slavery. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, it, it is not a it is not a concept that like you know there there may be some truths to it as far as you know hey the slave traders in Africa mm-hmm. some of them were black whatever yeah but, but, it sounds, but, yeah, but, but the boy, way the way it's worded is very. Icky. Yeah, it's very and icky. it seems like it would be like something like you know, it it, it seems like as, as somebody who's running for president and trying to win a national election, which you are going to have to get a percentage, not all or not even a majority, but you're going to have to get a portion of the black vote. Mm-hmm. You know, this could have been one of those things. You know, hey, he could have said, you know. Hey, I'm trying to be governor and presidential candidate. I didn't read that part because you know the bill's 500 pages long or however long right. it is. He could have like played it off like that and said like, "Hey, I'm sorry, all this stuff. I'm gonna get like people that are in my pocket in the legislature to like write a bill changing that." Yeah. Uh, he didn't do that. No. He kind of doubled down on. Yeah. And literally, uh, I seen an article that said every single black Republican, including Tim Scott, who's running against him for president, uh, has been super, super critical of this. Uh, and, you know, the Republican Party has had such a problem for so long with minority voters. No. I mean, it, whether it's black, whether it's. I mean, they started Hispanic. off. They started off good getting minority voters. Started, yeah, it, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Start off really kind of strong for. Well, <laughs> and see, you you know where that switched, don't you? How when it L, around LBJ or was it before well, that? It was kind of before L, LBJ. The, pushed through the civil rights it was, bill. Well, that was a big part of it, and I mean, then he made his infamous statement yeah. that that may or may not have been said, but everybody's quoted it for a long yeah. time. Doesn't matter. People thought uh, he said it. That's all yeah, matters. yeah. Uh, but what what actually happened uh, was uh, when when Kennedy and uh, when Kennedy and Nixon were running against each other. Uh, Nixon. Well, 
I'm trying to make sure I got this timeline right. I believe that was the case. Yeah, they were uh, against each other. Well, right. Well, I was trying to make sure that it wasn't Eisenhower and Nixon was running on the ticket with him. But I th I'm 99% sure Nixon was running for president. Anyway, uh, and Martin Luther King was in jail. Mm -hmm. uh, not, I don't remember the state. Uh, this, this story just popped in my head whenever I thought about this. Uh, and Nixon really tried to push Eisenhower to get him released. And, you know, at this point, the Republican Party was the party of, like, the black vote. Yeah. I mean, they didn't really have to. I mean, and this was honestly Richard Nixon trying to do something that, I mean, a lot, I mean, 99% of the country now would say was right. But it also, like, would solidify, hey, you know, we're here for black Americans. We're, when we put our money, we're going to put our money where our mouth is. And Eisenhower wouldn't do it. And somehow Kennedy, uh, being the Kennedy family, pulled some strings. Yeah. And there was a big uh, photo op with JFK and Martin Luther King. And in that election, that's when... I mean, that's what even Nixon like wrote in his memoirs that when that happened, he that day he's like, I lost the election. Right. And uh, so, you know, ever since then and the Civil Rights Act and I mean, some of the other things that's that's happened. I mean, the the country or or the. Democratic Party has had the majority uh, black vote, yeah. I mean, hands down, not even not even close. So going back to what? Okay, so then one of Trump's indictments, the documents. Yes. Okay, so tell me about that again, because well, I think that's and that's because. Uh, Cause that that's that's some really um, I mean <laughs> some really fishy water, and I think I think it's, that to me is the most that is the one that has the most juice behind yeah, the validity. it. Yeah, most validity. Uh, that's what I'm trying to think of. Yeah, because I mean, or the most weight. Yeah. Because anyway. uh, not saying, and, and again, I may get I may get this wrong. I don't think the Jack Smith and the document case are one, but. The, they may be there's right. there's so many of these it's hard to keep them straight, uh, but the the document the document part of the case whether it's that one or another one is basically that when he left the White House he took a lot of items or a lot of paperwork with him. Uh, it's not uncommon to do. I mean. They found out that Joe Biden did it when he was vice president, took a bunch of stuff home. I mean, uh, didn't necessarily, I mean, didn't well, have it secured, whatever. Mike Pence also, whenever was it he. You was, was you just telling me, or is this the internet that was telling me that the presidential libraries used to be like legitimate archives for all of their, like that's what the presidential libraries were originally for, like all their papers, all their. That must have been something you read. Yeah, it must have been remember. something. Yeah, that's what like the original presidential archives for. But however, I don't think nuclear codes or whatever is in the documents. Yeah, I don't think it was nuclear codes. Yeah, whatever, whatever yeah, and, and I don't know that there was nuclear codes, but I know that there was the one thing that we know it, that was in there was a potential retaliation attack uh, for if Iran attacked us. Yeah. Uh, which was like, like covert battle plans. Right. And while, you know, 
I'm not saying that he couldn't that that former presidents don't stay in the loop uh, on, on on things. That shouldn't have been something that he took home. Yeah. But here's the thing. This is what they basically did. They, whenever they realized that these documents were gone, they sent him a letter and they called him and they basically said, hey, you know, these are missing. We know you have them. You checked them out. <laughs> Please give them back. Yeah. And then they just started getting a little bit more forceful, a little bit more forceful. And I mean, finally, they they serve him a grand jury subpoena, all this stuff, and like Trump, like literally on tape, has like told his lawyers, like, "Well, just tell them we don't have anything," and like because I'm not get these these are my these yeah. are my documents, and it it's kind of it was it's kind of funny because you know he stored these things at Mar-a-Lago in like literally like like a spare, like a spare bathroom yeah. in Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, so it's not material. like, it's not like, you know, this was a, uh, it's not like this was a, like in a, in a, in a skiff or a, what, <laughs> what, what they call a skiff in like political terms, but yeah. like not even like in a safe somewhere. It was just in a bathroom in his house. Uh, and he like, openly, and again, they've got him on recording. Trump's trying to get some of it thrown out because one of his own lawyers started recording it to like protect himself. Yeah. Like that he was like looking through stuff like with people around him. It was like, this is classified. You can't see it, but I can see it. I, and I, <laughs> I, I could have declassified this when I was president and showed it to you, but I didn't. So now you can't see it. And I mean, again, was that the battle plan with Iran? Was that, or, or what was that? But uh, he's not—he's definitely not done himself any favors in this case because yeah. literally, had he just given the documents back, this indictment would not have come. Yeah. Uh, because uh, they've even kind of started to try to revamp how they they do this now. Uh, or like going forward, like when Biden leaves the office, they they will kind of not like strip search the stuff that comes out of the White House, but right. like they they've kind of decided that they're going to change how you know they don't just get to leave and take whatever they want with them because we don't want this to happen again. And yeah. I mean, and again, to be fair. Mike Pence, Joe Biden, they all this happened when Joe Biden was vice president, when Mike Pence was vice president, when 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 they left, they brought stuff with them. I'm sure if you went back, Obama probably had some things he shouldn't have had, and Bush and all this other stuff. And again, it's not like these guys don't stay in the loop and they're not necessarily involved. Now I'm gonna take a wild guess and say Joe Biden's probably not calling his predecessor very much, especially yeah, right no. now. But he very well could call George Bush, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, whatever. Uh, it's kind of funny uh, mentioning Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton at Richard Nixon's funeral, who did he did his eulogy? He was president when Nixon died. Mm -hmm. He uh, he mentioned that 
he and he said I, I've never been able to mention it until now because it was a great secret or whatever. But yeah. he said my the biggest foreign policy advisor I had was the man in this casket right here. Yeah, and you know That's it, the thing. Nixon was a great politician. Like he was a he got caught, but he was like a great. He understood the inner workings of Washington. He that's mm -hmm. kind of, that's where he he, he was kind of like LBJ because LBJ kind of could get stuff done more because he's like overbearing, but Nixon kind of understood power and understood how it worked. And he yeah. was and because anybody if you're just like kind of a goofiest character Nixon, you have to understand power to forget to be you know to be voted for, especially yeah. after you know you got in, embarrassed by Kennedy on that right. television. Right, you have yeah. to turn it around. Yeah, well, and you have. Nixon's a funny guy. Nixon's one of them guys. I always wonder if the man had Zoloft or something like that. <laughs> I really wonder if like Watergate would have even happened or his his own his biggest problem was the demons inside his own head. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't anything else. I mean, and it it just Nixon. I honestly, when 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 you look at any like presidential rating. Nixon is always at like the top 10 in the bottom. Right. Yeah. And it's like. So the bottom 10. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said that wrong. Top 10 worst. Yeah. He's, he's there. Uh, and, but and what's funny is if Watergate hadn't happened, very well could be that Richard Nixon was more pop, would be more popular than Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because he was big. Let's see. So Nixon's name. He was Nixon was doing was trying to get us out of Vietnam. One year was Nixon ramping it up. I can't remember. I always well, forget. I know LBJ ramped it up, but I can never remember if Nixon played a part in ramping it up. Or he was trying to. Well, Nixon played both sides of the fence. I mean, he he as politicians do sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He campaigned on being like a, like ready to come home from Vietnam and right. all this stuff and. Literally, like as soon as he got into office, like ramped it up to uh, levels that LBJ didn't even. Right. Uh, they like had the idea. Uh, I think. I think the way he put it one time was that he was just going to bomb the Viet Cong into submission. Yeah. And I mean, it just didn't really work. No, it didn't work and, like that. I mean, it's still crazy to me to think like there was. Uh, which I think that was actually Japan that they were like, like people that were held up in caves or wasn't that, was, was that Japan or Vietnam? I, I know, I know for, I know for a fact Japan, but yeah, I think that, it I could think be that very was, well I think, Vietnam as well. But yeah, Japan did for well because there was like some officers on some islands that didn't hear about the end of the war, like in the eighties. Um, had, and like they had to like get his like old commanding officers out and be like, Hey, war's over, man. Come on out. Cause they wouldn't believe anybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. And, and and like I said, going back to the whole documents thing, uh, or kind of bouncing back off that, I, I would say most of these presidents stay somewhat in the loop, not not all like not on a daily basis or yeah. even a weekly basis or whatever. But I would say normally, before they make a big decision, uh, they very well could call their uh, their predecessors, whatever. I know like Bill Clinton, like tried to be almost like a big brother to George Bush to an extent. Yeah. And said, you know, hey, like, I know you can call your dad, but 
you can call me and like I may have to say things publicly because my wife is in getting in politics now. Yeah. But like if you if you need me, I'm a phone call away type thing. And I mean, even even like with the bin Laden thing, I mean the I mean, Barack Obama's talked about this I don't know how many times, how like the very first phone call when he got out of the room was to George Bush that basically said, Hey, Mr. President, we got it. Yeah. yeah. And so I mean most of these presidents, regardless of whether they're in the same party or not, can become close. But Trump has like excluded himself yeah, from this yeah, group yeah. that, I mean, this exclusive club that people belong to that fi only five or six people at most ever belong to right. that, are, that are living at the same time. Uh, he just, I... I I don't know. Is that what? That's all the thing that kind of you can see kind of Trump's, you know, uh, narcissism play through here because, like he said, you know, all these presidents they they do have even when they're out of office they do have a part to play in American politics. They still have an integral part because if a new president, there's not you know, like it's not if you have like in trouble like at a new job stocking shelves so at harps and you know morning arkansas there's a lot i can talk to for advice but if you're the president of the united states you know there's only like a handful of people you can talk to that'll understand and to like just kind of you know push them away it's like no i don't want anything to do with that yeah yeah and i mean i still like the like you know there's some good moments in american history and like some of them that you can put a human element to mm -hmm. And uh, and whether the story got kind of fabricated by the Bushes, whatever, whether it, I mean, how exactly it happened and everything, it's like a made-for-TV moment that, like, when George Bush got elected, I mean, after the inauguration, after all the balls, all this other stuff, like, he walked into the Oval Office and, like, his dad stepped around from, like, behind like one of the bookshelves was like, hello, Mr. President or whatever. And like, like that's like, like not, not trying to scare him, but like, you know, yeah, like yeah. trying to yeah. uh, probably lighten the mood yeah. of, you know, Hey, now I'm the leader of the free world. Uh, but it, I, I still think that's like, I don't think dynastic politics are good. No, but and, I mean, two at most is usually uh, is usually the limit. Um, well, so far it has been anyway. Yeah. I mean, Adams and Kennedy, and or Adams and uh, Bush, and you could make the argument for Kennedy. I mean, the Roosevelts. Uh, yeah. Well, well, they were kind yeah, of they were close. yeah. I mean, they were close, but uh, but yeah, I mean, we've we've. Uh, We've had some some interesting political moments and some dip, and some interesting presidents, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, we're at fifty four minutes, so unless you got anything else, I think that's that can be that's a good wrap. That's a podcast, fifty five minutes. Yeah. That's like that's like a, that's almost a Jones World back or not back, but two Jones World. Yeah. And and for the person listening from Belgium, Belgium. that's a that's a about a about a. 45 mile drive, something like that, yeah. or whatever that is in kilometers. Unless it's someone in like Arkansas trying to watch porn needs a VPN now because <laughs> they passed. Dude, yeah, speaking of culture war, like they, 
like Arkansas passed that law where you need like an ID to watch porn online. And there was some like other like a handful of stuff that they were passing. It was just, it was well, just wild. And, and and I guess now that you've mentioned that, now I'll I'll dive into this one one last thing. But uh, it, it kind of I've watched a lot of debates. We were talking about this earlier from like 2012, 2008 yeah. with like Ron Paul. And the one thing that drives me nuts, especially as a card carrying Republican, is how Republicans can and conservatives can be so hypocritical. Oh yeah. And at least Democrats to an extent are honest about, you know, big government, government in your lives, all this other stuff. Except for that one like guy good. from New York, he wasn't very honest and said he was like a a gay rapper. What was that guy? What was that? Are <laughs> you talking about George Santos? Yeah, is he Republican or Democrat? He's Republican. Oh, okay. So yeah, so, for some reason yeah. I thought he was. I thought he was no, a no, no, no. Now New York, that's a good guess, but uh, yeah. you, you'd be right eight out of ten times. But yeah. uh, but no, like Republicans are supposed to be like small government. And why I mentioned like 2008, 2012 debates is like Ron Paul, whether you love him or you hate him, there was there was one there was one question that Anderson Cooper asked him in one of the debates uh, where they asked him, Newt Gingrich, Mitt Romney, Rick Santorum to describe themselves in one word. Uh And I don't remember what the other three said, but his was consistent. And Ron Paul kind of embodies to an extent what conservatism should be. Uh, And even a lot of people that run against him or, all this other stuff, they're like, well, in a perfect world, then yeah, this would be how we do it. Yeah. And how that relates to this is Republicans are always for small government until it doesn't fit their, their narrative, their or, narrative, or their needs really. Yeah. And Unless just they need the government to do something for them. Right. <laughs> and I mean, whether it's, whether it's abortion, gay marriage, uh, I mean this, this deal in Arkansas with the, the porn yeah. sites, uh, I mean, if 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 you're truly going to be of the party that believes that, you know, the federal government should be super small and they should kick everything back to the states, the state government should kick most things back to the local government, the local government should kick things back to you and me. If you're really, if you're going to, if you're going to wave that flag, then wave it proudly and do it all the time. Yeah. Don't. Don't change just because you don't like, just because you don't like something doesn't mean that you need to have a law to fix it or, right. or change it. Uh, and that's that's my biggest beef with with a lot of Republicans slash conservatives is, and with the exception of maybe Rand Paul right now, mm-hmm. there's not really anybody that will stand up uh for the idea that you know hey it's not a good idea to like try to legislate morality or legislate all this other stuff because you know hey when the left does it we call it we call it bad we call it big government we call it i mean liberal takeover of america but when we do it just because it's something that we like it, it it's it they don't see themselves as hypocritical. Right. And uh, just like going back to the uh, 
the abortion, the abortion thing. I mean, for 50 years, conservatives had said, hey, this is murder, murder, this is a state issue. It needs to go back to the state. The federal, the, the federal court, federal government shouldn't have been involved in it. Right. And they finally get Roe versus Wade overturned. Everybody does a hoorah moment. And then when two thirds of the country doesn't, basically doesn't change at all, now everybody says, well, now we need a federal abortion ban. And I'm sitting there going, you're hypocritical yeah. of your whole platform and what you've argued for for 50 years is going out the window. I mean, from, I mean, from Gerald Ford on, everybody has made the argument that this needs to be at the state level. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, that's just my, that's my, just a that's side, my little side note. Yeah. Side, that's my, you. that's my, uh, little, little side note beef for the day. A little beef for the, yeah, a little beef for the GOP. Okay. That's good. Well, they'll take it into consideration. We'll send this to <laughs> Yeah, send it to Mitch McConnell. Yeah, we'll send if, it to Mitch if he McConnell. doesn't have another oh, yeah, stroke. stroke that would be wild. That, that was the craziest gotta, thing I've ever like, seen in a while. Electing people over like 70 years old. Yeah, you know, people, uh, and after this we will be done. But Nikki Haley come out with a proposal that everybody over the age of 75 that's running for public office needs to pass a mental competency. Comp- competency. Compensate. Can you pass a yes. compensate? I can't. I can't get it out. But needs to pass pass a competency test. And I don't think seventy five is a low enough number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, but there's some pretty crazy, crazy ages uh, in the in the United States uh, politics. I know. Uh, I am going to look up one uh one senator that just got reelected uh and surely to goodness this is his last term which is chuck grassley uh senior senator from iowa and the man is 89 years old and he just got elected to a six-year term goodness the man the man is going to be 95 let me, let me years old. I, he's going to be 95 no years old Dang. when he, yeah. and he started. Doesn't look bad for a 90. No, no. And here's that, the thing. He is very, he is, he is, what's sad is even at 89 years old, I think he's much more competent. <laughs> Biden, and yeah. yes, yeah, it looks, like Biden. A, it looks like a, yeah, look at they just. Oh. Yeah, he's not. He's not. I can definitely see what that's probably honestly probably like probably people didn't know his age. Like, well, I don't know. right. Well, I mean, here's the only thing that I say. Surely to goodness, if Chuck Grassley, if you're listening to this, please, dear God, do not run again in 2000, whatever it is, because I don't want to see a senator at 101 years old eventually. Yeah. Uh, but we need to elect some younger people on both sides of the aisle and get some of these old old guys out of there. Yeah, I think mean, I think that's a thing we can all agree on. Yeah, Republican Democrat, that's a good thing to work on. <laughs> and that's a wrap. That's a wrap.